Well, let's welcome you back to This Week in the Association. I'm Rob Panier, joined once again by my good buddy, Kevin Luco. And tonight, Kevin and I are honored to welcome Sioux Falls Canaries broadcaster Tanner Hoops to join us here as we recap game one of each of the East and West Division playoff games. As, uh, these contests were pretty exciting tonight. Tanner, thanks for joining us. And tell us a little bit about your thoughts on these first opening games here of the series. Hey, you bet. As always, uh, great to talk to you guys. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, some really fun uh, matchups. I wish, uh, you know, we'd be part of it still, but we had a great run and uh, we're excited to, uh, you know, hopefully regroup, come back next year. But that being said, I, I think you got to look at it as an American Association fan and be really happy with the matchups that you're getting, you know, uh, on the west side of things. Uh, Joe Calpapietra and Steve Montgomery, I mean, those are two guys that are accomplished with their team. They always, you know, seem to be there at season's end, playing their best baseball and you know, they are this season, and it uh, makes for a really good matchup. And then, of course, Chicago and Milwaukee, I think we're kind of uh, above everybody else in the East for most of the year. So you see those two match up, and they go right down to the wire tonight. So I think you're pretty darn happy if you're uh, an association fan or a league exec, whatever you may be. Uh, if you're a fan of this league, I think you're pretty pleased with how things went on night one of the uh, Divisional Championship Series. Well, Kevin, uh, very close game in Sioux City for quite a while there. The Explorers pulled away there at the end. But as you're watching that game tonight, uh, you, great pitching matchup for there for a little while, and I think we expected that here in this series. You know, it, it was looking like that. I thought um, first inning it was like the, um, both teams had a little bit of fire and both teams were able to get on the board. And you're thinking, okay, maybe it could be one of those High scoring affairs, but um, Groats and Austin Jury both both got locked in. But the uh, you know the, the dam eventually broke a bit on on Groats and uh, Casey Bullpen just um, was not on tonight, and that caused Sioux City to pull away. Well, to make this more enjoyable, fans out there, Kevin was more closely watching the. Sioux City, Kansas City game. So I'm going to let him kind of run the recap of here with Tanner providing us with the analysis of what was going on, and I'm just going to enjoy listening to the two of them. So, uh, Kevin, why don't you take away, kind of run us through the contest here tonight and talk a little bit about how Sioux City came away with the victory, as the victors. All right. It was a it was a partly cloudy evening in Sioux City, Iowa. No, no we're not going to – I'm not turning this into NFL films, but um, – um, first inning, jury sets down the first two Monarchs. Then Chris Herman, Player of the Year, walks. Mike Rodolfo walks, and O'Grady gets a double to knock in Chris Herman, and the Monarchs had a 1-0 lead. But Sioux City, I'm giving credit with two outs. John Nagelski reaches on a single. Matt Lloyd singles on a weird play. Well, Fredo Jimenez grounds a ball to deep third. Wild throw to first by Snyder, and that gives John Nagalski credit for running all the way, and Nagalski ties the game up for the Explorers. And it would stay that way till the fifth inning when, when Chase Harris leads off of the single. Delvin Zinn tries to punch him over, pops it up. So you're thinking, okay, um, maybe they'll get out of this, but Daniel Lingle singles, followed by a bloop to left field by 
Oda for a single to drive in Chase Harris, and it was two to one Sioux City. Tanner, you've seen Sioux City a lot this year. Um, does this surprise you just the way they just kind of chip away at a pitching staff? No, not at all. I mean, Steve Montgomery's teams, and I followed him uh, a lot longer, you know, growing up and uh, uh, about an hour 15 uh, to the east of there. I grew up going to, like, Explorers games as a kid, watching things like that. And, you know, I've, I've seen his teams for a number of years, and those guys do. They just chip away at you. You know, they keep coming at you, just put the ball in play. You know, they can hit home runs, but that's not necessarily the bread and butter. Uh, just kind of put the ball in play, you know, and make the defense make a mistake. Uh, good base running, you know, get them on, get them over, get them in. And then uh, great pitching, you know, that's always kind of been the staple that uh, that Mongo's teams have had over there in Sioux City. And, um, you know, it, it makes for a really effective style of baseball. And I think the uh, the success that he has there speaks for itself. Um, but, you know, they, they're in a really good spot. I feel really darn good. If I'm Sioux City, you know, I, I look at uh, the way last uh, uh, tonight's game went, what have you, and, uh, you know, you, you get to take that advantage now down to Kansas City and uh, have two cracks at it down there. And I think you feel pretty darn good when you're looking at uh, what you've gotten out of the rotation. You know, I think first and foremost, um, you know, you put the ball in play like uh, Steve Montgomery's teams do, and then you just find a way to manufacture runs. Um, but then you look at the pitching side of things and who you've got healthy and rested up, who's uh, who's being effective right now, um, you know, and I think you're going to be pretty darn happy with what you've gotten out of Drury now in a couple of game one starts. And, hey, I, I tell you what, you get uh, Verberg in your back pocket. I know Bates is, uh, you know, hurting right now, but, um, you know, you, Verberg's uh, not much of a of a uh, uh, give up. You know, you're not get, allowing a whole lot by putting him up there on the bump. Um, other, I mean, he's one of the best that we have in this league, and you get two cracks uh, with him starting one game to uh, punch your ticket to the next round. I think you feel pretty darn good if you're Sioux City. Now we go to the sixth inning with the Explorers. We're up two to one at the time, and I thought the key moment of the game was Amian Hernandez let off, was hit by a pitch with two outs. Ryan O'Grady singles, so you got runners on first and third. Jury, who you're just talking about, came out in favor of Parker Caracy, and Caracy just got a huge uh, strikeout to end that thread in the sixth inning. I just felt like from there that the momentum was on the side of Sioux City. Sioux City does come back in the last of the six, gets another run. As Wilfredo Hernandez singles. Kyle Kasser bloops a double to left center. You know, once again, guys are talking. Ball's not really hit all that hard, but they're just finding holes, and you just give credit for Sioux City for putting the ball into play. Then Chase Harris grounds into a grounds into a 5-3 um, putout that scores Jimenez. And, guys, just to show you the way the mentality is during the playoffs, Harris grounds out, scores a run, and is like, does a fist pump because he knew he did his job. It's just those little things, you know, like just putting the ball into play, getting runners over, getting runners in. That just it gets magnified so much more in the postseason. We move on to the seventh, and Scott Oda singles with one out. John Nagowski singles to center, and Wilfredo Jimenez singles to load the bases, and a wild pitch scores Oda to make it 4-1, to one. and then the uh, Explorers get to Trey Jeans in the eighth inning for four more runs to uh, put the game completely out of reach, and 8-1 final, 
heading to Kansas City. Tanner, what do you think the mentality is right now with both teams? Yeah, I think if you're Sioux City, you're really comfortable about where you're at. You know, you've still got uh, Verberg kind of as your ace in the hole and uh, two cracks to punch your ticket. And, you know, beyond that, they're just a really solid pen. And, and so is Kansas City on their end of things. You know, I did think it was interesting. I don't know if it's uh, – I'm not saying it's a bad move. I just – it did uh, kind of catch my eye when I saw that uh, Zach Groats was going to be the Game 3 starter if uh, we had forced that Game 3. You know, he started Game 1 for Kansas City. Um, you know, rather than uh, than going to somebody else and just kind of resetting the rotation as you move on to the next round. And, you know, I'm not saying that's a bad decision. Groats obviously is is a quality pitcher and a really good arm, uh, but it, it did kind of pique my interest a little bit that, you know, both teams played the same amount of games in the first round, but D. Montgomery set his uh, rotation back to the beginning and uh, and uh, Kansas City did not. So I, I don't know, that just piqued uh, my interest a little bit. But, you know, it also tells me that they're a team that, uh, is confident really any guy that they throw out there. And really, I mean, you look at their rotation, you know, one through five throughout the regular season, you had a lot of guys that maybe, you know, weren't as quite as good one through five, but uh, pretty darn good. You know, I'll say that. They were a deep uh, rotation. And, um, you know, I, I still think that they feel pretty good. I don't think that they're terribly discouraged. And I think there's a few too many guys in that Kansas City clubhouse that wouldn't allow them to be, you know, guys like Herman who played at the highest level and, you know, guys who've had a lot of success. Uh, both with Kansas City in this league and beyond. You know, I, I think they've been here before, and they have a good mentality about it, you know. Um, so, no, I, I, I don't think that they're discouraged. I think I expect them to come out, in fact, and, uh, you know, play with a little chip on their shoulder Wednesday night. And, you know, and Steve Montgomery's done this enough years on the other side that he, he's not going to allow his guys to, you know, get overconfident, thinking that, you know, we just got to go down here and win once, you know, and that uh, we should win this series. I don't even think that that is necessarily um, – um, what they're thinking, but uh, but I, I, I think that they go in there with a quiet confidence, um, without you know getting ahead of themselves. Is you know Steve Montgomery and Joe Calpiatra have been at this level, and they've done this before, and you know it's not their first rodeo. They uh, you know they know about managing a team just as much as you manage pitchers or a bullpen or a lineup, and uh, you know the human element in the game that goes into it. Uh, both those guys, from what I've seen, they really understand that well, and you know they're they're both going to have their teams ready to play on Wednesday night. Sounds like Ashton Godot goes game two and then Miller Hogan for game three if necessary. And I think it's pretty telling to the depth of the Kansas City pitching staff that Brandon Finnegan, a guy that back in 2015 was just a rookie phenom for the Kansas City Royals in their World Series run, he was a guy that was called on in the, in the ninth inning just to get the third out. So speaks a lot that... I know it wasn't the best year for Finnegan, but it speaks a lot for the depth of your staff when you're counting on, on a major league veteran to come and get a ninth out in an eight one game. So I think that's gonna be the key is the you know, how the Kansas City pitching staff reacts and they're back in their park now, which um obviously plays a lot different from Lewis at Clark Park. So we'll see if Kansas City can do their thing with knocking the ball out of the ballpark and forcing Sioux City to try to play their game because tonight it was just um, a lot of Sioux City just putting the ball into play and making things happen with the, with the running. Well, let me pose these two questions to you guys looking on this contest here. So, first of all, the two-out hit in this game was obviously huge. Uh, uh, both teams wound up getting a run in the first inning um, where – Two outs right off the bat. Both guys, both teams keep the inning alive and then score um, 
to get that two-out run. You have a two-out run thanks to Scott Oda later on in the contest. And it was just seemed to me that the pitchers were having a little bit of difficulty trying to get themselves out of an inning. And, and it, do, you, do you attribute that basically to, you know, first game series jitters or just great hitting performances from the opponents there? I think it's the focus yeah. of the batters right now. And there was a situation earlier in the game where where LJ Hatch, you know, it's a, it's the seventh inning, Kansas City's still in the game. And they Gavin Collins and Jacob Robson both reached to start the inning. LJ Hatch had a fourteen pitch at bat that pretty much knocked Carisi out of the game. He ended up striking out. But there was a wild pitch in there that got Robson and Collins to second and third. And, you know, a key play that I forgot to mention in the game, in that inning with the guys on second and third, um, Justin Wiley flies out to shallow right field. Jacob Robson thought that ball was dropping, and he was two-thirds of the way to third. Throw came into the infield, and Wilfredo Hernandez yelled for Nagowski to throw the second, and they doubled off doubled off Robson off a second, but you know, it's a little things like those, um I, correct me, that was a twelve pitch at bat for LJ Hatch, where I just think this time of year batters are locked in and they're gonna be very smart up at the plate. Eight one game with, you know not a lot of bad pitching. It still took over three hours and I think just because these guys are are doing the things at the plate, um, extending the bats and there's just a lot of focus I think right now between both clubs. Tanner, you were going to say. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Kevin. I think it says more about the hitting in this league, especially this time of year, uh, more than it does the pitching. You know, we've seen a lot of these guys uh, throughout the regular season. We know these pitchers have great stuff, and they wouldn't be in this situation if they didn't. Uh, but I think you, that the hitters just kind of take their mindset, take their game to another level this time of year. And I think that's ultimately what kind of separates uh, you know, some of the teams that do advance on in our league and uh, and, and some who, who are playing baseball at this point. I think another storyline to watch here is that Kansas City's bullpen, I think, was the one spot you saw as a weakness during the regular season. Looked very good in the first series of the playoffs, but got racked tonight, uh, you know. And Trey James and Gavin uh, – Grant Gavin are two guys that they expect to be integral parts of this bullpen, especially in that fifth, sixth, seventh inning spot. Any concern if you're on that opposite side there for Kansas City right now there, Tanner? Well, I, I tell you what, Kansas City's bullpen did look good against us throughout the season. You know, they they always uh, seem to, you know, up their game. Maybe maybe it's just me. I don't know. But I uh, tell you what, no, they do have uh, some really good arms in there between Gavin and Gene. You know, both those guys you mentioned, they were all-stars this year, and uh, I'm not overly concerned. You know, I think you chalk it up to a bad outing that, you know, you, you go on the road and play in a place that, you know, whether you're a pitcher or a hitter, it's tough when you're an opposing player to come into Sioux City. They've got a really good home field advantage there. Um, but I tell you, I'm not overly concerned about this. You know, it's one of those things, you know, short mindset, blush and move on. And you know, I think, uh, I think I am sure that's what they're telling them. Matt Hall, who's, you know, the pitching coach now over there in Kansas City, he's been very successful in this league. And um, you know, he, he, I'm sure he's telling those guys the same thing, you know, chalk it up to a bad outing, short memory, and move on. On the opposite side, Kevin, the Sioux City bullpen looks spectacular here tonight. And you got to feel if, if they can come away with 
or even with their just a run or two down after five innings, they, they got to feel pretty good about their chances of winning contests right now. I think so. That's how we saw it tonight where Steve Montgomery had no qualms about pulling Austin Jury, even though he had only given up one run the entire game, but he just had he had faith in his bullpen going with Caracci and Diaz, Max Coons, that um, he feels safe. You don't get him a lead and get five, five, five to six innings all your starter, and he feels very comfortable right now uh, that that bullpen's going to lock it down. So I think um, going into the rest of the series, I think the key is to, to get that early lead and get to your pen. Well, let's jump out in the East where uh, Chicago visits the Milwaukee Milkmen for game one. And interesting start to the contest. Uh, Chicago is set down in the first inning. Milwaukee comes back with a run right off the bat when Cam Vallejo comes away with a double with one out. Again, the two-out hit in this inning is Michael Krause is able to single up the middle and center field. Tanner, you watch a lot of baseball in your career. Uh, I, I got to believe that when you can get a hit that drives home a run against your former team, there's a little extra special moment in that for you. Oh, especially in the playoffs with two outs, absolutely. You know, it, it almost feels like uh, those are worth more sometimes. It's like scoring a goal in the first minute or the last minute of a hockey period. You know, it's, a, it's like it doesn't count for more on the board, but it does count to more. Uh, to, uh, it does count as more to the guys. You know, in that clubhouse, whatever it may be, um, getting momentum on your side, getting the guys up and ready to go. So no, I think that's what we saw tonight. You know, Kraus uh, certainly is a guy who could do that. Talented ball player. You know, and he's been around this league for a number of years. And Belego's been awesome in these playoffs. I think he's leading them in hits uh, through four games and. You know, they're, they're, they're getting contributions out of the guys they need to to be successful. Chicago responds right away in the top of the second. Again, the big two-out hit as Luke Mangieri singles to start the inning. Ryan Zimmerman able to retire the next two batters, but Cody Bohannik turns on a 2-0 pitch, drills it for a two-run shot, his first in the playoffs. You know, Bohannik is a guy I don't think a lot of – I mean, Kevin and I, I can honestly say, probably not talked about him a lot during the season, but he's one of those guys that Chicago really depends upon for key hits, and he got his team right rolling early in this game. I wouldn't you say Tanner? I'm sorry. That was for you, Tanner, by the way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, Chicago's got some really darn good hitters on that team. You know, we, uh, we you know, don't get to see a whole lot of those teams as much as we do with Kansas City and Sioux City. But, um, you know, they've got some really good ball clubs over there. And, you know, you look on uh, on both sides of it, you see two teams that don't quite mirror each other, but I see a lot of similarities, you know, between the two teams and, you know, the styles of baseball that they play. I mean, certainly there are some differences, but I do see some similarities over there. And I think there has to be to, to be successful in this league. And, um, you know, it's, it's a fun series. It's one that, you know, I did predict going into it. And I had no way to prove it, but I did predict it would go uh, all three, you know, just because these two teams kind of went toe-to-toe throughout the season. You know, um, Milwaukee was uh, was leading the division for most of the year, but they always seemed to match up well with Chicago. They finished with the same record. And, um, you know, this is one that I would be surprised if it goes the distance. All respect to Milwaukee and uh uh, Gregory Vasquez, you know, and I'm guessing he's probably going to go in game two. And, you know, it's like, it's like uh, you mentioned Zimmerman earlier that, you know, he uh, had a tough out in, in his postseason opener this year, bounced back, looked really darn good tonight, struck out 10. And I, I think it is something similar will happen for Vasquez. I'm just not sure if that's going to be game two or three because, you know, I, I do think there's going to be a bounce back from Chicago. I think Butch from afar has done a great job with them this year. Um, certainly one of the feel-good stories in the league, you know, with everything Butch is battling and uh, – 
all that he's been able to achieve and, you know, kind of kind of play almost like a fantasy baseball team, you know, do it uh, from his phone, you know, miles away. Um, I think it's really cool what he's done this season. And, uh, you know, I, I just I don't think that their story is quite done yet. So I, I, I expect them to bounce back here on Wednesday night. And, uh, um, you know, I, I don't want to necessarily make a call on the record, but I would be shocked. I, I'm kind of leaning toward them uh, pushing the series to go three games. Kevin, in the top of the third, Peyton Neal's hits a, a solo home run with one down. I, I know you've been super hyped about this guy. That's a fantastic pickup by Chicago, and, and he gave his team a little extra room early on in the game. And, uh, you know, I I watched some of this game tonight as I was tracking the Sioux City-Kansas City game, and just the way he plays in the field, you can tell there's a air of confidence to him that you generally don't see in a pure rookie in this league, and Boy, I would have liked to seen what kind of a body of work he could have put up over a full season. But, you know, I have a feeling that Eels is going to be the kind of guy that could be, a, if Chicago is going to come back and win this series, a guy like Eels could be a guy that's going to be a catalyst for such a rally. Well, Chicago looked like they were going to get a, a blow this game open early as Ryan Litch followed with a single and Josh Altman walked. That put two on with one down. But Ryan Zimmerman, being the veteran guy Kevin and I have come to watch over the years and really know he can deliver, strikes out Luke Mangieri, gets Dylan Rosa to fly out. Big opportunity to shut things down. Kevin Zimmerman, maybe not the most gaudy numbers that you see, but he's a guy who's proven himself to be a winner in this league. And it's not surprising he could get himself out of a jam like that early in a contest. You know, the it reminded me of of the 2019. My, well, I guess it was, it was called the Association Finals back then. We weren't calling it the Miles Wolf Cup yet, but Zimmerman pitched Game Three in St. Paul, and he got hit for a three-run homer earlier by Hazel Baker, a major league veteran. But then Zimmerman settled in after that. You know, like. Years-wise, Zimmerman is a pretty young guy, but he's had this ability to be able to bounce back from within the game itself. He's been able to bounce back from adversity and get settled back in and help his team out, and that's exactly what he did tonight as he pitched into... Into the seventh. Check out the box score. Yeah, pitched into the seventh inning, so... You know, three runs, six and a third, ten strikeout time. What else can you ask out of them? Absolutely. Well, Joe Whelan was cruising through this contest in the first five after giving up that first inning run, was really dominating Milwaukee. But the uh, Milkman had an opportunity to start scoring some runs in the sixth. As a hit-by-pitch, a single and a walk, load the bases for Gabriel Cancel. He winds up singling in the left field. Only one run comes away uh, from that. Miguel Comas comes up. And, Tannery, I'm interested in this because I know as an announcer you're supposed to give information, but but uh, Tom Wynn said for Milwaukee that Miguel Gomez has hit, hit, I mean, literally like two seconds before this happened, he said that he's hitting more double plays than anybody in the American Association this season, and Gomez hits the ball in the middle that Josh Altman scoops up, makes a great play on, goes to second on the first for a double play. And I thought, that, I bet a lot of Milkman fans out there were like, don't say things like that. But as the announcer, you got to announce stuff like that. Yeah, you do. I mean, it gives context to the game. It's like that Kevin Brown situation out in Baltimore where, 
you know, he gets suspended for saying something totally factual about their lack of success in Tampa Bay. And, you know, maybe it's not a pleasant stat, what have you, but it does give context to the game. And ultimately, that's what we're supposed to do. And oh, I love Tom Wynn. You know, I, I really do love all the colleagues that I have in the association. And, you know, Tom is certainly no exception to that. And he's a pro's pro. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you don't like to hear that stat necessarily, but hey, he's doing his job. He's calling a professional game. And, uh, you know, it's your job to give context, and, uh, you know, Tom does that. So I see some people may have a problem with it. Uh, I wouldn't personally. As a former so media personality the- in the Twin right. Cities once said, Jeff Dubay, he had a line that kind of resonated with me about, um, about being a, a broadcaster or a reporter. Don't piss in my hand and tell me it's rain. Well, I mean, there's a lot of truth to that, <laughs> you know. Uh, it's one of those things that, you know, if, if you're uh, – what I like to do, you know, and it's not necessarily the right way to do it, um, you know, I don't know if there is a right way. I think everybody has their own. Um, you know, I like to uh, tell the story of a game. I like to, uh, you know, make uh, make athletes more than jersey numbers and kind of give the story of them. Um, you know, I just – I don't feel like it's my position to give opinions, use it as a platform out there for things like that. Um, you know, I, and I think that's one way some people could take it, you know, maybe like, uh, saying this, uh, this guy's got some against Gomez and he's picking on him or something like that. And I don't think that's what Tom was doing. I'm, I'm guarantee it's not what he was doing. Um, you know, and on the other side, you know, it's, uh, guys know it's nothing personal, you know, they're professionals and, uh, you know, they're, they're not all going to put up the, the stats that you would want, you know, like if I had, you know, people describing me and the job I did, I'd like to, you know, think people would compare me to, you know, Jack Buck and uh, and some of the legendary greats, but, you know, I know that's um, not not going to be the case, and, you know, nor should it be truthfully. So I think that's where it comes from. You know, Tom's, uh, Tom's doing his job, what have you. It's not a great stat, but it's one that tells the story of the game, and ultimately I think that's our goal. Well, I don't know what you're talking about, Tanner, but Kevin and I already think you're way better than Joe Buck, so we just want to point that out right <laughs> off the bat. So, um, so the, uh, Jack Newberry, Jake Newberry, excuse me, comes on in the seventh inning for Chicago, retires aside in order. Joe Caballero takes over the eighth inning. He retires aside in order. You know, he just felt like Milwaukee was in a bad situation. Brian Schlitter comes on. He had had 18 saves during the regular season, a guy they just depended on to shut the door, but gives up a walk to Gabriel Cancel with one down uh, after – a, a pinch hit walk lo- put two on, excuse me, a pinch hit single put two on. Uh, Rudy Martin uh, grounded out, moving both runners into scoring position. That brought du- Drew Ward to the plate. Big shift by Chicago, trying to ensure that he, he figuring he was going to right field, but he winds up going to, with a kind of a ground single where Josh Altman would have normally been playing, scoring both runs with a game winner. Uh, Tanner, let's just start with you here. Drew Ward with a very disappointing season from what we've normally got out of Drew Ward numbers. Um, but he comes away with a big hit right there to give the team the, the victory. And, man, isn't it nice to have a guy like that coming off the bench for you? Well, let me tell you, there are a few guys in this league, I just don't understand why teams shift against them. I think they're, they're so good at putting the ball really anywhere in the field, and I think Drew Ward is one of them, you know. Um, I get it. He's, he's, you know, pull happy and has tendencies, what have you, but I do believe that he's got the ability to spray the ball pretty much anywhere, and he's a guy that plays better and better in the big moments. You know, like you said, the numbers – um, you know, aren't quite up to his caliber, and I think he'd be the first to tell you that. But we have seen him come through uh, how many years now in the league? Ever since 2020, it feels like, 
we've seen him come through in the clutch okay. and uh, and kind of provide those big moments. And you know, he certainly did again tonight. So you know, Chicago is one of those teams that you take a lead in the seventh, eighth inning. Um, you know, if you're the dogs, you're feeling pretty darn good, and you feel pretty hopeless on the other side. They just they don't blow uh, leads like that. You know, they, it's just a rarity for them, and I think that's more of a tribute to uh, Drew Ward and uh, the kind of player he is at this point in the season, rather than anything else. You know, Kevin, one of the interesting things we've gotten to see in Milwaukee going back to 2020 is the veteran guy who had a disappointing season, but then in the playoffs came up with some really huge hits. Zach Narrier back in 2020, we've seen this with a couple of guys. So it's not surprising to see a Drew Ward come up with a big hit like that. It's not, but, um, you know, I've got his bat here pulled up on American AA Baseball TV. And I gotta say, Brian Schlitter, I mean, been a very good closer for the Dogs this year. But you know, if you look at the pitch to Ward, when you got the guys shifted like you do, you got to go inside, inside, and maybe even a little more inside on him. And if you look at the pitch that he grounded to the shortstop hole to score the two runs, it was that pitch was off the outside corner and Ward did what any smart hitter would do in that situation. So we say, yeah, okay, he didn't hit all that hard, but he recognized where the pitch was. And what I find strange was that the catcher was even lining up to go outside. And I don't know why, you, why do you do that if you want this guy to, to pull the ball into your shift? So I find that a little bit puzzling. It's a very good point, Kevin. And, uh, it's interesting that he began with a, a pitch right inside on Ward and then one low to the outside that got him behind 2-0 right off. And I was thinking, wow. I mean, I mean, Drew Ward is a very good hitter and has a great eye. You're, you're not getting away with two pitches like that and thinking this guy's swinging at anything. So it was an interesting pitch selection from the very start. And unfortunately for Chicago, it didn't work for them. But let's start. We'll stay with the East here for the moment. Uh, we'll begin with Kevin. So, Kevin. Well, sure. Uh, you know, before we go on, I, I've got this go queued up here. And, go you ahead. know, we'll experiment with this guy. I have this queued up on my computer. This is Tom Wynn's call of the game-winning hit because I – and hopefully this will get over well. Because I think Tom found a new octave here. So, let's um, let's give it a listen. I know we're probably breaking American Association TV copyright rules, but um, well, sue me. I don't have any money anyway. So, here we go, guys. One. And the pitch. Bounce to the left side. This one is good. Chance to get through. It's cut off by the shortstop. Alvin. Let it go. Alvin. Score. He's got it. How great is that? He was that? excited, Kevin. <laughs> Tom, my gosh. Whew. That was something else, guys. He might have taken some knitting needles to the groin or something at that particular point. I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying. Just saying. We love you, Tom. We love you, Tom, for sure. Okay. Okay. Let's we'll stay in the East for a moment. Chicago drops a big game like this. You, you feel like your bullpen gave that one away, but you get to return home now. So, Kevin, take us. Who's, what happens here in game two, do you think? I think Chicago bounces back. They're a proud team. I mean, that's the same scenario, you know, they want, went down to Cleburne, lost game one, did the long bus drive back home, and was able to regroup and get the two wins at home. Well, in this situation, you know, they're back in 
around Rosemont sleeping in their own beds tonight, and they know that they've got the next two games in their own ballpark where they played very well this season, and I just have a feeling there's a lot of resiliency in this team, and there's a team that's very capable of bouncing back and taking the next two games, much like they did with the Railroaders. Tanner, you, you gave us that you already believe in Gregory Vasquez. will pitch well, but will not come away with the victory. So tell me how this contest uh, comes out by the way you're, by the way you're thinking. Yeah, you know, I, I really think he's going to bounce back, Vasquez, and I think he's going to give his team a chance to win. But I think Chicago is just uh, a group of guys who are gritty. Uh, like Kevin said, they play really well at impact field. They'll have the crowd behind them. They responded well already with their backs against the wall. So yeah, I do think Chicago, if I have to go on the record and pick something, I think uh, the dogs come out with something like a 2-1, to one, a low pitcher's duel type score. But, yeah, I think uh, Chicago will force a game three. I think both of you are right. I think we could look for Kyle Mora to set the stage for game three here for us and, and win for Milwaukee. So I'm going with you guys. Tanner, let's go out back out west. Uh, huge victory for Sioux City. Does Kansas City go, return home now and grab game two to keep that series alive? I'm going to say yes. You know, I think uh, Kansas City is another team that obviously they really play well when they get home. They, I think they have the best home record in the league this year. And, you know, it's a, it's a home field advantage down there at Legends. They've got a great roster. I think that stacks up really well with Sioux City. And I think they're going to have a bad taste in their mouth uh, when you, you look at the box score tonight. And, again, you know, maybe it's uh, closer than a seven-run game, but still eight to one I think is going to give them a bad taste. And, you know, there's just a group of winners down there in Kansas City, guys who've uh, played at the highest level, a lot of former big leaguers that just won't allow uh, they're guys to, you know, give anything less than 150% when they get out there on Wednesday. So, yeah, I think uh, with all those things kind of factored in, I get it. Berberg is, yeah, is going to be another one of those guys. I think he's going to have a really good start. Um, but I, I think Kansas City ultimately is just going to put all the pieces together, kind of kind of get the right mix of, uh, of uh, how you need to manage, you know, your uh, your human element to things as well as a roster. Joe, I think, does a great job of that. And I think he's going to put all enough, uh, or at least enough of those things together that uh, we will have a game three in Kansas City as well. Kevin, tell us what we see in game two. I'm thinking along the lines of Tanner, too. You know, an 8-1 loss like this, and one which Kansas City did get a lot of strikeouts tonight and just didn't seem to be themselves offensively. But, you know, these guys are pros. They're former big leaguers, and if anything, this game tonight uh, will get their attention, and I think you're going to see a much more focused Monarchs team on Wednesday night. So I think Kansas City will find a way to take game two, and then I think it's all bets off for game three. I like to call on that by you guys as well. Before we close out, uh, I... I want to say openly now, Kevin became a big Frontier League fan over the weekend, and Evansville and Quebec advancing to the championship series. Yeah, they won game uh, wild card games and then three-game uh, series for the division championship out there. So, Kevin, give us Evansville and Quebec starting on Tuesday night. Who, who winds up winning that championship? I was very impressed with Quebec. I, I know I've um, seen the nine innings of Quebec Lake Capitals baseball this season, but they just looked really solid in beating New Jersey on Sunday night. And I guess 
New Jersey wasn't able to bring one of their best pitchers over the border with them, and their all-star catcher was not able to go to Canada. So as we know in the American Association, those trips to Canada can get a little dicey for teams. So that may have had a factor in it, but I just thought Quebec was very solid. They're going up against uh Evansville team with our good friend, um, you know, especially Tanner's friend. Tanner knows him very well, Kona Quigo, who's just been on a roll for the Evansville Otters. And the Otters went to Gateway on Sunday night, got a big game-free victory. Almost Gateway nearly came back to tie the game. It was a really, real fun ending. They were down 9-2 to two at one time and almost came all the way back before they fell 9-7. to seven. So, you know, it should be interesting. And I tell you, you know, we talk about crowds in the American Association during the playoffs. It's a different breed in Quebec. On a Sunday afternoon, 5 o'clock, first pitch, our time, they nearly had a full house there with, you know, less than 24 hours to sell tickets. And, you know, the broadcasters up there were saying, well, it's it was a really, really good crowd last night, but not going to quite be a sellout tonight. I'm thinking, boy, any team in the playoffs in the American Association would take a near sellout and run with it. So I think um, Quebec... Boy, with that kind of that kind of support at home, I mean, how can you lose? I got a feeling the Lake Capitals will will knock off the Kona Quiggle led Evansville Otters. I like it. I like it a lot, Tanner. Man, we loved having you on here today. Are we going to get you for game two on uh, on Wednesday night? You know, I'd love to uh, be on with you guys anytime you'll have me. You guys are the best, and I uh, appreciate you guys always uh, covering our league the way you do and. Uh, especially for tolerating me for half an hour like this. So, as always, I appreciate you guys, and I'll hop on with you anytime. Absolutely. That's what I like to hear. So, for Kevin Luco and Tanner Hoops, I'm Rob Panier, and we'll see you next time on This Week in the Association.